IMDb Journey podcast, where we break down every movie from the top 250 and give our thoughts, our reviews, and any general discussion along the way. Daniel, my name is Daniel. And my name is Dean Jeffrey, and I really hope this podcast isn't, ah, mediocre. <laughs> oh, dear. And today we'll be breaking down 2015's Mad Max Fury Road. Dean, how are you, mate? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Pretty yeah. good. How are you? I'm doing very well. It hasn't been too long since I saw you. Yeah, we've been seeing each other far too much lately, I think. Some might say not enough. And people do say that. A la me. <laughs> That's very kind of you. <laughs> love the way you say it. It sounds like you're insulting me, but yes. really, what the word you're saying is actually quite kind. It's so the way you, I Hendo. say it. Yeah. No, we did catch up over the weekend with a couple of friends. Oh, we did too. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, did we podcast extra last week? <laughs> no, we actually did catch up. Yeah, had some beers, had yes. some drinks. Played poker. Yeah, first time we played poker in ages. Ages. So much fun. I got the bug again. It was awesome. Yeah, it was fantastic. But what else have you been up to, mate? Well, I had last week off, so honestly, once I got back from my little golf trip, I actually didn't do much at all. Watched a few more movies than usual. Not heaps, not like Hendo numbers, but pretty pretty okay numbers for me. And yeah, really not much, just a lot of R&R, man. I think at this rate right now, you might have more movies to talk about than me coming up. That's possible. Ooh, it'll be the first time all year, mate. Yeah, it would be. i gotta, I got to stop this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, seven films in one day. Here we come. Oh, God. Not again. <laughs> Have you done anything exciting, Hendo? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Same with me. Just work. Chill work, 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 yep. work. It's all work, work, work right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. What are we doing today, Hendo? Well, after our breakdown of Mad Max Fury Road, we're going to take a look at some reviews that you, the listeners, have given to us. We'll take a look at our question of the week, which is, what is your favourite post-apocalyptic film? Which, as usual, is our top five. Post-apocalyptic can... Uh, I mean, different variety of films, really. Can be a hard word to say, can't it, Hendo? Post-apocalypse. <laughs> Man, you, you stumbled through that so much. I thought, oh, is he going to stop and do it again? No, he's happy with no, it. I'm okay. fine with it. I'm cool. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, move on. Move on. Move on. Um, yeah, it can mean a lot of things, and it's yeah, a tough list to come up with. Got a heap of responses. Which is always good. Yeah, it's fantastic. Which means more entries into our competition to see mm. who's going to win that one. And then after that, we're going to take a look at the drive results from last week's Brovy Bro between Dean and Brother Shane. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it might be a bit close. Hmm. It's not. <laughs> it's a little shade right there. And then after that, we're going to take a look at the results of the qualifying rounds in our best 1990s film tournament. Already some great matches. Yep. Love the 90s. It's very exciting seeing these films. It's so. going to get harder and harder. Yeah, it will. And then after that, we're going to find out what our next film is going to be, which is Dean's turn this time. It is. It is. I tried to go something maybe a bit lighter, a bit funner, because we've done a lot of downers lately, I think. Don't you? You're giving me the look like you have no idea. Are you talking about today too? No, 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 no. Okay. I, just, I just mean in general. But even, even Mad Max Fury Road, it's not like a, a happy-go-lucky yeah. film, is it? <laughs> not not uh, chock full of laughs, this movie. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm not, yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Excellent. Give me the update. All right, Hendo. What's going on on the IMDb Top 250 list? Well, since last week... The massive drop here is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Shocking. 76 spots it's dropped. Wow. To 217. Okay, this will be it. Yes, I think this is the last time we'll Next see it. Next week it'll be gone. Speaking of which, Neon Genesis Evangelion has dropped 14 spots to 242. Ooh. So I think this will be the last time we say hello to that one. I better get that pick in soon then. Yeah, well this might be, who knows, that might be a very funny film that we can do. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the only two big, big changes. Yeah, nothing, nothing drastic like we've had recently. I see the Battle of Algiers has gone up six spots to 243. It's still hovering in that bottom area. Who cares about that? 
Wow. Shade <laughs> thrown at Algiers. Nah, that's an okay film. Pressed you've seen it. Why? It's the top 250. I've seen nearly all these films. Oh, come on. You are what? not. Yeah, what? How many have you not seen now from there? I reckon there's a few. 20. Well, there you go. 20. More than likely I've seen it then out of 250. Yeah, but if it's a movie I haven't heard of, maybe it's a new Indian you one. You haven't heard of a lot of films, though. I haven't heard of Battle of Angels. Wait, you have heard of it. How can you say? That is such a contradictory question there. Anyway, moving on, there is no changes in the top 30, so that all stays the same, and everything else is really just moving ones and twos around. There's been two disappearances from the list and two new entries. Out of the list now is Dilchata High. Oh, no. You have to change my pick. <laughs> and Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. And in the list now is Les Samurai and The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Completely irrelevant. They'll be out in no time at all. You never know, mate. This could be Dr. Caligari's journey to the top 100. I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right, before we get into Mad Max Fury Road, just a quick reminder, we will be spoiling this film from the get-go, so if you haven't had a chance to see it, Go and watch it and come back because we're going to ruin it, ruin the big twists around right at the start of this podcast. Aren't we, Hendo? No. Okay. And with that being said, let's get into Mad Max Fury Road. Let's go! Fury Road, released in 2015, starring Tom Hardy, Charlie Theron, and Nicholas Holt. I'll leave those are the big key three players here. Who plays a Morton Joe? Hugh Keysburn. Yes, do you know what else he's from? He is, of course, in the very first Mad Max, plays Toe Cutter. That's right. Is he the same character? I don't think so. Okay. Because I believe Toe Cutter gets killed in that one. Doesn't have a huge uh, no. filmography. Moby Dick, apparently, plays Mr. Stubb. Well, I'll be damned. Being that this is a Australian film, there were some minor Australia actors that I did see pop up here and there in this film. I did see Megan Gale, of course, and John Howard. What? You know John Howard? I know who John Howard not is. The, not the Prime Minister. Oh, then no. You don't remember the actor John Howard from All Saints? I never watched All Saints. But you should know these Australian actors. Why? You just should. You're an Australian. Oh, Rosie Whiting something? Rosie Whitington Huntley? Yeah, sure. She's in Transformers 3, was it? 2? Married to Jason Statham. Really? Jason Statham? Yes. Jason Statham. No, Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Well, he's done all right for himself. He has. This was also written by George Miller. Brenda McCarthy and Nick Lathyrus with music by Junkie XL. Can you name a Junkie XL piece? Magic Mike. So you're talking about the movie? Sure. Junkie XL did that remake, that Elvis remake, Little Less Conversation. Remember how big that was back in the day? Oh, I saw a movie once and the whole song, it was like a 10-minute version of that song where the guys were playing soccer. So boring. Wow. It was really bad. Soccer. Yeah, I mean, I like soccer, but it was really boring. But yeah, no, there you go. Junkie XL. Yeah. Little less conversation, a little more action. Has <laughs> <laughs> the mumble. <laughs> Cinematography by John Seal, who actually came out of retirement to do this. Who actually lost this Oscar. What the hell, John Seal? What is wrong with you? Do you know what he lost to? Mm, no. 
The Revenant. Oh, okay. It's not a terrible movie to lose to. That is true. That had good cinematography. It did. Really did. I'd still argue this one had better cinematography, though. Yeah, it's it's really it's really a coin flip here. I think both of them are pretty outstanding. Mm. Directed by George Miller, the guy who did Babe and Happy Feet and Happy Feet 2. <laughs> Made Mad Max Fury Road. He did Babe Pig in the City. That's true. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about this guy, this George Miller. Why? I just... It's just... He's so You're old. at a loss for words. He's so old. So is Clint Eastwood. Yeah, but he doesn't direct much, does he? And when he does, it's amazing. Look at Babe. So here's the thing. I have seen half of the first Mad Max, mm-hmm. and that's it. I've seen... And I didn't like it. I've seen Mad Max. I have not seen 2 or Beyond Thunderdome. Apparently 2 is the better one, isn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. It's well widely regarded as the better Mad Max. Yeah, and 3 is meant to be terrible. Tina Turner. Now, something I didn't know or even found out, do you know if Thunderdome is part? Like, like, do we need to have known what happened in Thunderdome? Does it carry over to Fury Road? I have no Cause idea. Because this is, this is regarded as the fourth in the Mad Max film series. It's is not it, like a... Is it the same Max? Yeah, it's supposed to be the same Max. I mean, it must then. Or have they done like a Halloween where they just I don't think. Disregard I, I don't know. Didn't didn't retract from my enjoyment of this film, I must say, but like there might have been a couple of things. I'm going, was that was that part of one of the other ones? Is maybe it the flashbacks. Yes, I had some issues with those flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, you're not a, you're not a flashback fan in general, are you? I mean, if they're done right, we'll find out if we think they're done right later. Anyway, this won six Oscars. That's a lot. It is a lot. They won film editing. Yep. Film editor was George Miller's wife, Margaret Sixel. So good. When she was asked why she thought she should take part in the project, as she had never edited an action film before, George Miller said, because if a guy did it, it would look like every other action movie. It's a different take. Pays off, doesn't it? She wins Best Editing Oscar. Probably helped that, you know, she's his wife. She had roughly 470 hours of footage to edit. I mean, that's insane. Took her three months to watch it all. <laughs> Must be a tough gig getting all that raw footage and getting it into a movie. Well, she did it right, didn't she? Well, she did very well. Other Oscars at one. Best costume. I must say the costumes were fantastic in this movie. They look very, very good. Especially Morton Joe. Yeah. The design on that character. Whoa, fantastic. Something that goes straight with the costumes. One makeup and hairstyling. There's the makeup on this. I think that it's fantastic. It's all that bloody black grease across the forehead that did it. Yeah. All that silver spray paint in their mouths. Yes, the chrome. Gorgeous. It also won for best sound editing and sound mixing. Sure, uh, why yep. not? Yeah, of course, because Oscars can't tell the difference between both of them. Not saying that either, this shouldn't have won either, but usually the same film wins you know, both of usually. them. Usually. Yeah. It also won best production design too. Yep, makes sense. And it was also nominated for three others as well. One of them that we already said, Cinematography, Lost to the Revenant. Best Director, obviously George Miller, but he lost to Alejandro Iñárritu. The Revenant. That's right, of course. Best and Picture. <laughs> it got, what? Hang on. Did, what did you just say? Was it not nominated for Best Picture? Oh, I thought you were stipulating that The Revenant won Best Picture. No, no, no. It was yes, going through. Yes, and the last one was Best Picture, which it lost to Spotlight. Of course. Out of nowhere win there from Spotlight. Oh, my apologies. Actually, uh, got nominated for another one. Best Visual Effects, which actually lost to Ex Machina. Oh, yeah. can't argue with that. Speaking of the visual effects, over 80% of the effects in this film are practical, including stunts, makeup, and sets. CGI was used very sparingly, mainly to enhance the Namibian landscape, removing some stunt rigging, and for Furiosa's left arm, which was a prosthetic limb. I must say, there was a lot more CGI in this film than I thought. Yeah, it was uh, a bit more noticeable this time around. Yeah. yeah. I mean, has it aged poorly? I think that I think the visual effects have. Like, the, Don't get me wrong, the practical is practical out, of, is out of this world. Yeah. But yeah, when you see the visual effects, 
they're noticeable. You can see them. Yeah. It's really odd because I went in thinking, oh, yeah, all practical, you know, practical, practical, practical. Yeah, there's some, uh, there's some things there. There's some CGI here. I don't think that was real. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie was almost filmed in 2003 on location in Namibia, but the project was put on hold due to security concerns related to trying to film in Namibia because the United States and many other countries had tightened their travel and shipping restrictions with the start of the Iraq war. So the film was abandoned until 2009. Interestingly enough, Mel Gibson was originally intended to come back as Max in the 2003 version of the movie. Can you imagine Mel, Mel Gibson being okay with saying fuck all in this film? It probably would have been a lot different. Yeah. I'm sure he would have had a lot to say. He would have had heaps to say. Yeah, but because of all the issues... Furiosa he, who? He went off to do Passion of the Christ. So, obviously, they, they parted ways. Good passion project for him. I'll take that as a pun. <laughs> Good. So, the night scenes that you see in this film were actually filmed in daylight. Is that the blue stuff? Yeah, deliberately overexposed and colour manipulated. Yeah, makes sense. Those were some weird scenes. I didn't even realise it was nighttime. You didn't realise that when it wasn't bright, it wasn't nighttime? Yeah, I thought they were in like a blue storm. Okay, that's a weird thing to think. Well, there you go. Came here for some different opinions and <laughs> I've delivered. I think we've got more to come. But this did have a release date of the 7th of May in 2015 with a runtime of 120 minutes. I don't remember it being two hours. I thought it was less than two hours from memory. Okay, it certainly doesn't feel two hours. No, but the tagline of only the mad survive. Did you like that tagline? That's okay. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up then. It's like, is this going somewhere? No, I mean, that's, you know, it's a fine a tagline. tagline. With a budget of $150 million, it grossed $154 in America for 21st for the year and overall grossed $375 million for 20th for the year. Nice, so profitable. Yes. You had me worried when you first said $150. <laughs> it's like, what? In America. Oh, thank God. Because they are looking at making a sequel to this. Apparently, Tom Hardy signed on to do three Mad Max sequels back in 2015. Yeah, apparently it's in, like, production hell. Yeah, that's why we haven't heard basically anything about it in four years. Like, I may be wrong here, but didn't Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron not get on at all? And George Miller. Tom Hardy and George Miller did not get along. Really? Charlize Theron and Tom Miller. Tom Miller. George Miller thought he was a prick. Really hard to work with. And he actually came out and apologised to both of them at the Cannes Film Festival for his behaviour after the film was released there. Maybe he was going through some personal stuff. Maybe. Who knows? I haven't heard any other negativity towards Tom Hardy. No. He's been a lot. Well, you're out filming in the desert. You're, you're dirty. You're grumpy. You're going around cars and flamethrowers and stunts. You're surely going to get a little annoyed. <laughs> right, Tom, we're going to do this uh, backflip again. Uh, take 20. <laughs> <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> Take this fucking metal thing off my mouth. <laughs> it might have also had to do with the fact that he got a broken nose when Charlize Theron elbowed him in one of the scenes. Were the cameras rolling? Yeah, well, she was wearing a green arm cast at the time, so they actually were able to remove the arm when you get hit. So you wouldn't be able to tell which one it was. Hmm. Speaking of Charlize Theron, she shaved her head for this role, obviously. So she had to wear a wig for when she went and uh, did A Million Ways to Die in the West. If you ever want to go back and look at that piece of trash. What do you mean go back? I've never seen it. <laughs> oh, please don't. It's so bad. <laughs> She's wearing a wig. Yeah. I'm glad she shaved her head, though. Looks real. Because it is. Could call it practical. It is very practical. Based on how the uh, visual effects look in these days, can you imagine what it looked like a, a CGI bald Charlie Saron? <laughs> <laughs> so counting the opening voiceovers and discounting any grunts, Max has exactly 52 lines in the film. Discounting the opening? Counting the voiceover. Oh, counting? Yeah, and not counting the grunts. 52 lines. Yeah. Quite small. It doesn't say much at all. And I was like, I remembered he barely spoke. Mm. And then it started out with all this talking. I was like, man, this has got to be like 50% of everything he says. (laughs) Like, seriously, he says bugger all. He does. But when he says stuff, it counts. Mm. 
Yes, oh, I love it. The clicks, the flicks of the gun. Yeah, they're, they're great. He doesn't need to speak. He can just do gestures. They know. What they, they know what he's talking about. But before we get into it, let's take a look at the history of Mad Max Fury Road in the IMDb Top 250. It debuted on the list on the 17th of May in 2015 at number 23. Huge, huge indeed. Since then, it took a pretty decent dip over the la- over the first year, and then for the past three years has basically been a straight line where it currently sits right now at number 203. With an 8.1 over 792,000 ratings, that's pretty low. Yeah, it took us. It took a big dip down to just above 200 after a year, and since then, basically stayed where it was. Okay. But as it is my movie, I chose. I'll give the plot summary this time. In a post-apocalyptic, hey, I said it right the first time. <laughs> wasteland, a woman rebels against a tyrannical ruler in search of her homeland with the aid of a group of female prisoners, a psychotic worshipper, and a drifter named Max. Well said. Thank you. Let's get into it, mate. Yes. What do we got? Like you said, voiceover. Start this off. Hold on, I like the logos. You're getting way too far ahead. Oh, really? They changed all the logos. They're all rustic looking. Looks good. That does look good. Yeah. I like when they change logos. It really adds character to a film. It does. It makes it more distinct. And character is important. It is. But yes, we hear even the cars revving over yes. the top of the logos. It, you know what you're getting into here. Get you a bit pumped, you know? Yeah. Like it's trying to get you fired up. Fired up indeed I was. Just before we continue this, did you see this at the cinema when it came out? Or did you see it when it came out at home? I saw it when it came out at home. Okay. Did you see it at the cinema? I did. Saw it at the cinema and then I saw it when it came out and this uh, was my third viewing this time. Gee, why did, why, I don't know why I didn't see it at the cinema. I had this as my third most anticipated film for that year when it came out. I saw the trailer. I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm all for this. Mm. Uh, yes, very keen to go see it at the cinema and very happy I did. But yes, voiceover of Max basically explaining the world as it is now with all the oil wars. Drops the road warrior yep. line. That's good. Basically showing where, what happened, what what the problem of the, with the world was. It became like nuclear war, war over water, oil. Just everyone just wanted to fight over everything. Bones are, bones became poisonous. Bones, bones were poisonous. Yeah, but more than that, he... He brings it back to like a personal level. Yes. Like it's not just about how the world is. It's what's even more important is how each individual is broken, he says. It was hard to know who was more crazy. Me or everyone else. And then, boom, opening shot. And that's when we get the stunning shot. Like, I've, I've looked at posters, and this is one of the posters for it. Yeah. This opening shot is incredible. It gets you right into it. If it like, watch that on a big screen, you're like, God damn, it's, we are in for a treat. It's just, it's framed so perfectly. It's so cinematic, that, like, vast desert. Yeah, just, and just him just standing there looking at it. That orange-blue mm-hmm. thing they have going this whole movie. It works really well. Then you see this little mutated lizard come up. Yeah, practical. <laughs> yeah, good one. Um, like, run up and he just steps on it without even looking. I don't buy it. Just putting that out there. Is this a movie where you buy things a lot? I think so. It's practical. <laughs> okay. I could, you're like, that was clearly CG. How would he know how to step on that? But what we get here and a little bit throughout the film is the voiceovers of all these people who are in Max's head. Yeah, one girl in particular. Mm. And this is where I'm getting at. Was this was this something that had happened in the prior movies? Like, is this was this his daughter from, you know, the original? Like, I mean, I'm trying to think the first one. I don't remember. I know in the first one, his wife and, and daughter were killed. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, I mean, 
it's so far removed from that original trilogy. Yeah. I feel like there is some responsibility of the filmmaker to assume that a lot of people watching it now wouldn't have seen the other ones. But to be fair, I don't think you technically need to know that. You you heard that he, try, you know, these people that he's tried to help or save, they're saying, you could have saved me, you could have helped me. That's all you need to know. There's all these people throughout his life that he had a chance to save and he couldn't. Yeah, and me- it really brings the arc back to him later on when he saves these people. Yeah, he I- makes the decision to go back and help them. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair point. I, I didn't like all these flashbacks, though, and they're all the time. I think there was maybe a couple too many. You could have had a couple here and then maybe one or two in the middle just to reiterate the, the point. But I guess if I was to say something bad about this film, maybe maybe too many of the, uh, the old visions. Yeah, I don't like the visions. Yeah, didn't like it. So that's one. But, you know, he's chewing on this lizard, having a feed. I imagine food is uh, scarce in this environment. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then he just jumps in, drives off. And it's silent. Silent. And then <laughs> straight over the camera. Holy shit. Yeah, it's, it's a good moment. Well, not as good as this moment when they drive up behind him, blow out the back of his car, and the car does what? Ten flips? Man, it was so good. All practical. All practical. <laughs> All practical. Yes, of course. I think practical is going to be the biggest word we say in this podcast. Yeah, no, but he's yeah, he's getting tattooed. Did you see what they were tattooing? Yeah, he's um he's blood a, type. Yeah, he's a universal donor. Yeah. Type O. Which obviously comes back to help later on at the end of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But his escape here. Freaks out a little bit when he sees the branding coming at him. I think this is the time to go, he says. Yeah, because tattooing <laughs> not the tattoo. is fine. Yeah. No, but he gets up and he he makes an escape for it, but of course. These are flashbacks. These visions are stopping him. Yeah, the visions are weird. But there's a lot of these times where you think he's going to get away from them. Mm. And like even the start when he drives off, you're like, oh, they won't catch him. No, they get him straight away. But here there's this magical rope from nowhere that comes down and he climbs up and you're like, oh, he'll get away here. No, they're right there with him. And then he jumps out the end and there's that super convenient crane. You're like, oh, okay, this is how he'll get away. Nope, they pull him back in. What about the door that leads to nowhere? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's Fair point. I like I like the fake out though. Like he leaps onto the crane. I like, I like the fake out. Like, yes, he's got away. No, he swings right back in. Gets pulled yeah. back in. It's good. Gets the big tape or something wrapped around his face. That's a, I don't know, a little scary shot there. You see like the outline of his eyes and mouth as they're dragging him back in. Then Mad Max Fury Road comes on the screen. Like yes, yes, we're here. <laughs> That's right. Now we're introduced to Immortan Joe, who for the longest time I thought was Immortal Joe. He certainly seems like he's immortal to what these is, people. What is Immortan? Is that just a name or is that yeah. a descriptive word? No, no, I think it's just a name. Very powerful, Immortan. It's interesting to look at this crippling old man. He's it's fantastic. That opening shot of him, mm. the first thing we see of him is all these wounds. His skin's all mm-hmm. stretched. He's got huge boils and warts and shit. Yep. He's got some kid blowing powder on him. Yep. And this is our big bad. Yeah. Like, it's great. He gets suited up and... This suit's great. We said it before, but really yeah. the the clear plastic would be super uncomfortable. <laughs> but uh, no, it's... I love how it's got the outlines of like the ripped six pack on it though. So yeah. <laughs> from a distance, it looks like it is this powerful image. Like everyone looks up to this guy as this almighty being ready to ride with him anywhere. Like he's promised immortality in the land of Valhalla. It's basically like a cult with these half-life war boys. Oh, for sure it's a cult. And I love how it has that image of he is a frail old man, but with the right look and the right... Imposing. Yeah, exactly. The right Very fear. Imposing. You can You can look like a god. Hmm. But they dump a ton of water down to the common folk. Surely there's a better way to... Uh, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. This is the most wasteful way he could have possibly given them but water. But I think that's obviously on purpose. 
He wants them all to go nuts a little bit about it, and then that's enough. But he doesn't want them to know that he's just sitting up there with resources galore, does he? Yes, he wants to know. He wants to show them this is how much I've got, but we need to take it. But he wants them to love him, doesn't he? He doesn't want them to hate him. Like, they're all quite enamoured with him. Like, they treat him, as you say, like a god. Yeah. They're not treating him like a dictator who's evil. They're treating him like someone who's there helping them. Whereas I just think, but that's yeah. he tells them, you know, we need to do this. Needs to be sparing. Don't don't get addicted to the water. It'll yeah, consume you. That's a great you. line. Don't get addicted to the water. Yeah, but the tankers head off with Furiosa ready Furiosa. to ready to guide them. They go. They've got to get gas from Gastown. Makes and, sense. And bullets from Bullet Farm. It's all good stuff. Yeah. You don't need these fancy names for these places now. There's like six places in the world now. Yeah. But now we get the inside of the Citadel and we have a bunch of women breastfeeding, getting all the mother's milk ready. Mother's milk. They love that stuff. Yeah. We find we meet uh, both of Immortan Joe's kids. Is that the small man? Yeah. The small man and the big bumbling idiot. These are like non-perfect children of his. He's look. He's looking for a perfect child. That's why he has all these women to cre- to give him a perfect son. These are the, I guess, failed projects. Do you reckon the women are his daughters? No, I don't think they are. Like, how long do you think he's been doing this? How long do you think it's been since like the apocalypse? It could be 10, 20 years. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, I wouldn't put it past him. Like, so is this? Are we to believe that this is the first like batch of women giving birth? It's not like he's got heaps of no, kids. No, 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 it wouldn't be because he's got these other two kids, probably from the previous women. And they're old, like that little guy's old. Yeah, but so is Immortan Joe. But here he finds out that the women have escaped. Yeah, because he, um, he sees them turn left Yes, when they shouldn't have. And I like that even one of the pale guys comes to Furiosa and is like, what's going on? Detour. Okay. All right, cool. They yep. show Furiosa a lot of respect. They have to trust her at this point. They, they don't have any information to say that this is not the right thing. And all Joe cares about is let's go to the vault. Yeah, he knows. Other women there. Yeah. And this stupid old lady. Terrible. Shoot him. Yeah, you, you, don't don't... Need a, you don't need a speech. Why, why have her with a shotgun? I don't get that. She could have just been standing there without a shotgun. Same effect. There's no way she's going to shoot him, and it's just stupid seeing her let him walk towards her. She's an old lady. You're senile. She's not senile. She is. She's she a shotgun. You know why she's senile? Because she didn't shoot the gun straight away. Mm. Reflexes are not what they used to be. But we, let's get back to Max, shall we? And strung up as a blood bank. <laughs> yeah, that's it's rough, but it's good that we know what they're using him for. Yeah, you know? well... He's got the tattoo. Are they losing this much blood? Well, I think these war boys, they're all affected by this radiation that has taken over the world and they're all ready to die. Like They're half-lifes. They're, they're mm. not going to last long and maybe that's one of the causes of it. Like their, their blood levels get low. So they have these full-lifes, as they call them, to get the blood. Okay. And Max is a rare commodity because anyone can take him. Fair enough. Lucky him. Mm. Here we get Nux. Nicholas Holt. Yeah, Nux. There's a... Uh... Good thing it doesn't sound anything like Max. <laughs> of all the freaking names you could have used, Nux. Why like, even give them names? Like, honestly, we have we give a name to Nux so he becomes more relatable. He has a name. The other ones are nothing. He has a name so that we. I understand why the movie has given him a name. Why do these people have names? Like they're just they serve no purpose or oh, uh, one purpose. War boy. You say Nux and Max are similar. What does that matter in the movie? No one knows Max's name. No one calls him Max throughout the film. It's not like they're going to say Max. And Nux goes, what? That would be funny, though. <laughs> It'd be great if there was like a little Easter egg where someone says Nux and you see Max just turn ever so slightly. At the camera. Did you see Max? 
That's how they find out his name. What's your name? I'm not telling you. Hey, Nux. Yes. Oh, damn it. <laughs> God damn it. You're Nux too. All right, fine. It's Max. <laughs> yeah, but the word comes out. Furious is on the run, taking the women. So out come the war boys. Yeah, great set design here with all the cars coming down on the platform. Oh, yeah. Looks really good. This looks fantastic. But now we get all these muscle cars racing along, and we get Immortan Joe actually going out with them, which surprised me. Well, this is this is all he cares about, these women. He needs to be there to get them. He doesn't care about anything else. Hmm. Why would he stay back at home? Home? Yeah, it's his home. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, but you but see the reverence here between the war boys and in particular Nux, obviously, when he thinks that Immortan Joe has actually looked at him. Yeah. And he's like, oh my God, I'm blessed. He actually looked me in the eye. They have this, yeah, this weird ritual. They, you know, spray the chrome on their on their mouth, and they do that when they're about to die, don't they? Yeah. What's the cry they they yell out? Witness me. Witness me as they as they die, thinking they're gonna be entered into the gates of Valhalla. Valhalla. But of course, you got Mad 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 Max on strapped to the front of this car. A poor bloke with a you know big metal mask over his face. Classic Tom Hardy. Yeah, and they encounter because you got Furiosa driving this tank, and they not only are encountering the locals from behind them, but now they're also encountering the buzzards. Yes, with the, the big rogue, spiky cars. Rogue local ferals. The spiky cars look good. They do look good. This whole action set piece here, like we said, majority of it is practical. It's fantastic. Like I got such a kick out of watching this again, sitting on my couch with the bloody surround up to like almost 100. I wonder, like, yes, let's do it. It was it's fantastic. I loved every little bit of it, lapping it up. One thing I love, just for its randomness, the crazy fucking flamethrower guitar guy. I mean, what kind of... Who comes up with that idea? Yeah, he grew on me. Yeah. I didn't mind him. That's actually Australian guitarist Sean Hape, better known as Iota. He said in an interview that uh, the guitar weighed 132 pounds and shot real gas-powered flames, which he controlled using a whammy bar. Nice. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Can you imagine a guy like this is so good? Look, oh, I would have loved it. Just brings that little extra panache of craziness to what is happening. Like, as if it's not crazy enough. I have this bloke with this massive speaker system behind him, blaring out some tunes, th- throwing a flamethrower. Insane. Loved it. Every yeah, little bit of it. Full on. Yep. But like we said, this is uh we get one of the the war boys uh, sacrificing himself. Yep. He dives onto one of the buzzards. That's where we get that. That's where we know what the war boys are all about. This is this is their life, basically. It's their destiny. Yes. We get our first little glances between Max and Furiosa at one point, setting that up. But of course all the buzzards get destroyed in various car chases, crashes, flips and smashes and blow and explosions. Yep. Now, what do you think of the, the big the big explosion spears they have? They throw at the cars. Good. Yeah. Yeah, they're just like bloody little Molotovs on the end of spears, aren't they? They are. They throw them, then they blow up. Yep. It's Good. awesome. But we need Max to We need him out. Yes, we he needs to get out of this this uh predicament he's in. So he does he does get his way out. He gets rid of the guy on the back and then he starts fighting with Nux and basically Nux is just trying to blow themselves up. There's all this petrol. Yeah, he wants to be on witnessed. The floor. Yeah. yeah. But no, Max stops him. Yeah, well the other guy gets kicked off and they realise they're heading into a massive big storm that's coming, this big red storm. Sandstorm. Yeah, the sandstorm. You know, once it gets basically get down to the war the war rig and Nux for this for the rest of the scene, this is my Excellent this looks absolutely stunning. Seeing seeing the long, wide shot of them heading into this big sandstorm. Okay, I admit the, the shot of them heading in is really cool. I kind of think once they're in, it looks a bit dodgy, doesn't nah, it? Nah, I think it looked great. The, the random lightning strikes that were happening, just the sheer 
insane amount of wind that's blowing in their faces. Even watching the car get picked up by the wind as it blows up in midair with everyone up there. Very twister. Yes, and se- and seeing the big long shot of the war the war boy fall towards the car that Max is on and seeing like fly over the top of the the car, complete with Nux's of course iconic line. Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! You love that line. It's great. It's okay. I don't know why you enjoy it so it's, much. It's the iconic line of the movie. It was in every trailer. It was on the poster for most for most posters. Okay. It was. It was a lovely day for it's him. Like, it's an okay quote. It's, it's, it, sets, it sets up the character of Nux perfect. This is his moment. This is the perfect day for him because he's going to save I think if kid. anything, it sets up the film more. I think it sets both of them up. You will have a lovely day watching this film. <laughs> but like you said, Max manages to stop the suicide attempt. They've still got very good uh, vision in this sandstorm, though, conveniently, don't they? They see that. Have you been in a sandstorm before? Uh, I may as well have. I saw Ghost Protocol. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> that was more realistic than this. Well, of course it was. What's, what's that got to do with it? I'm just saying they had remarkably good vision for a sandstorm. They saw that war rig from ages away. These guys didn't have a tracking system. That was that Ethan Hunt was following. They didn't even have goggles. They had masks over their mouth to stop the breathing ah, of sand. My apologies, but they fail, of course. Of course, and it's, you know, it's not the end of the movie yet. All right, let's 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 kick it back to you, mate. I seem to be talking a lot here. Is, is that a little negative comment there? Like, what's what's going on? <laughs> no, no, no. How are you feeling at this point in this movie? <laughs> Don't get so defensive. No, no, no. Feeling, I want to. I want to know you. Feeling opinion. very good. It's a very enjoyable, fun film uh, to this point. Don't be so worried. I'm just talking I don't, really, about I don't care. I don't care what you think. I know what I think. You've stopped what we were talking about to stop and, you know, sort of, uh, let's catch up. Yeah, let's what catch is, up. What's, what's the Dean running thoughts here? This is the equivalent of me and you watching the movie and me just watching you <laughs> as the movie's going on, like waiting stop for your it. reactions. <laughs> like, here it comes. <laughs> yes, no. But the storm's gone and Max wakes up and we see all these girls... No, before that, he needs to try and get rid of Nux. Goes through a couple of different things here. Of course, the gun doesn't work. Can't chew through his arm because he's got this big, massive mask on his face. So he's got to pick him up along with the door and bring him along. Yes, and I think he gets a little shocked when he sees these five very gorgeous women. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't seen anything like this in a very, very long time. Everyone's dirty. You know, everyone is filthy, except these women. They're wearing white, so usually that would mean they're dirtier. But they come off much more cleaner. What does that mean? Because white gets dirtier. Do people who wear white, are they dirtier? White get When you have white clothes on and it gets dirty, it's much more noticeable. I guess. Yeah, that's right. Shut your mouth. I don't know where you were going. I thought you were being like a bit dirty there. I'm going to ignore all potential puns for that one there. Okay. But what did you make of this chastity belt? I thought it was pretty cool. Looked a little uh, vicious. How's the uh, the form on the person designing it to to leave a hole for him? <laughs> if you really want to, that's if you're fine. really really we'll desperate. <laughs> <laughs> but here we really get some Max grunts. <laughs> water, give me water. It was he bloody Vincent D'Onofrio from Men in Black. <laughs> Sugar and water, more, more. <laughs> but no, he's trying to he's trying to get rid of this chain, this blood chain attached to his around his neck. Um, the blonde tries. She can't do it. I mean, he's smart, though. Like, Furiosa at one point goes to it. He's like, nope, nope, nope. nope. You nah. stay there. <laughs> yeah. He, he has an idea of what's going on. But one little slip up, and she gets the jump on him. I don't mind this action piece, this fight scene. The back and forth of the, the gun that gets revealed. The fact that he's chained to Nux, who wakes up halfway through it. There's 
I Actually, think- I like the waking up of Nux. Yeah. It's very gradual because you, you know he's going to wake up. And then you get the water splashing on him and it's like, ah, here we go. <laughs> he wakes up and he's on Max's side. They're like... They're like buddies. Yeah, well, they're chained up together. Yeah. Because he, he's after Furiosa. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, really good. It's like, does he not realise that Max clearly is going to escape? He's a prisoner. He, he doesn't. He's not, Nux isn't the smartest person in the world. Because he thinks, he thinks that if Max goes back, he'll be hailed a hero and yeah. they'll get everything they want from a Morton Joe. No, Max just wants to get the hell out of there. Punches him. Yes. Just punches him in the stomach. Yeah, piss off, mate. You took my blood. Terrible. Should have shot him. Although, I must say, my God, does Max waste bullets here. Oh, yeah. Love. Shuts her up by shooting one bullet. No, no. Let's shoot like five more. No, he shoots three bullets twice. He doesn't have to. Just bang, bang, bang. Stop firing. <laughs> Save them for later. God. He wants to get his point across, all right? But they drive off. Oh, no. Max drives off. Yeah, he leaves them all there. And Max drives off. But Furio says she knows. Can't start it because of the kill switches. Yep. So they got to team up, which she expected. It was coming. Yeah. But they talk about this green place. That's where they're going. We're going to the green place. Yeah, very Land Before Time-esque. Yeah, considering that all we've seen so far is basically desert, the green place sounds... We've seen green on top of the Citadel. All that. All those... Uh, not roofs. Um, The cliff tops of... Yeah, very the, little. It's all green, though. But the land is desolate. So the Lots fact they're going off to the green place sounds very magical. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of... um. Land Before Time. Stop talking about Land Before Time. <laughs> but of course, Nux wakes up and manages to jump on the back of the, of the war rig. Yep, the very slow-moving war rig. Yep, it's got a power-up. It's a big rig, right? Big rig. <laughs> what do you know about big rigs, Sender? Everyone used to call me. <laughs> oh, I didn't mind this super-extended scene of him collecting all the guns in the cabin. Yeah, it's good. It that shows good. he... He knows what he's doing. Surely that's what he'd do. He'd look around and get absolutely everything away from them. So many guns in that cabin. Yes. <laughs> All with a... <laughs> but it looks like Furiosa has a deal with uh, some people coming up. It looks like they're exchanging fuel for free passage through the valley. Canyon. Yep. But before they get there, they notice there are more people coming for them from different different towns. You get People Eater. The guy's name is People Eater. Wonder what he does. Are they from different towns. Yeah, I thought they there's were one all... from Gastown that were coming. I think uh, Bullet Town. I was wondering who those sort of leaders of these other places were. So they're from different towns. Yeah. Okay, I thought they were just like high-ranking officials from Immortan Joe. So does that mean that these people have like an Immortan Joe set up as well, or are these just different? Towns? No, I think that these are just people who live in those towns. During the yeah. sequels, would go to these towns maybe. Why would they need to now? For bullets and gas, you idiot. Why else would you go to Gastown and Bullet Farm? Why would they need to get bullets anymore? They're, they're getting a more peaceful village now. Oh, yeah. They're going to have two sequels of peace yes. in Mad Max. <laughs> peace Max. God. But while Max goes... So we've got an issue with uh, the big rig. It's not running well enough. So Max leaves all the girls at the front to go and check out the fuel pod. Yep. And whilst he's doing this, Nux... It's going underneath. It goes under. Yeah. And he gets in and quickly gets subdued. Yeah. Really not you even a useless fight. bastard. Nope. You might say that he is mediocre. <laughs> Just like uh, Morton Joe says. I'm glad you knew that. Well, I did say I wasn't, I wasn't sure if you would or not. What? <laughs> Literally opened it with that. I know you did. <gasps> I don't mind the argument that they have with Nux here about Immortan Joe and what he means to each of them before they kick him out. He's a lying old man. By his hand, we'll be lifted up. That's why we have his logo seen on our backs. Breeding stone, battle fodder. No, I am awaiting. You're an old man, battle fodder. Killing everyone and everything. We're not to blame. And who killed the world? 
But this is where Max gets his mask off finally. He has the bolt cutters. He as he's walking along the top of the tank, he snaps it off. When he said Max, I was thinking Joe, and I'm like, it doesn't happen. Well, you're going to think ages. <laughs> Yeah, he finally gets that off. I mean, good. I actually thought he spent longer with the mask on, but I'm glad it's off. No, you got to get that off. Got to get sure that Tom Hardy face going. Big old lips of his. But they start to get the safe passage through the valley. Everyone hides while Furiosa tries to sort out what's going on. This is where she asks him his name. I like the response. Does it matter? I mean, it really doesn't matter. In that, in that day and age... Does anyone's name matter ever? What do you mean ever? Like in this film. Oh, so you quickly change that. Does it, does it, does it matter ever? Oh, I mean this specific thing. Well, we're talking thing. about this film. Does it, anyone's name matter in this film? Yes, Immortan Joe. What Nuck. a big brooding name. N- um, Joe, come on. Immortan. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> Sends shivers down your spine. Hmm. Immortan. But it's all a big failure. They see the cars coming after him, so... Oh, there's heaps. The, the deal's over. Yeah, deal's over. And now they've got to race out of there. They blow up the bridge, though, which stops everyone coming in. Yeah. I mean, not everyone. Oh. Joe gets through. They get a little car the around the corner. monster truck. And we get all these bikes coming at them. I actually think that this whole, like, canyon escape scene would be my... Excellent! Does look very good, doesn't it? It's awesome. Yeah. It's super tense as well. Like yeah, flying over the flying over the tanker, dropping the bombs down. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, it's all good. And like seeing and seeing them, uh, seeing Max and Furiosa like shooting them down as they're in midair, like on, on the bikes, and boom, they fly off. Yeah, and I think I think it's great actually seeing these two work together for the first time. Yeah, it's good. And the truck catches fire. Oh shit! And they drop the thing down on the bottom, and all the sand comes up and puts it out. But like you said, Immortan Joe, he gets through the little explosion, gets Nux with him because, you know, Nux was on the rig, so he knows what's going on. And this is uh, Nux's perfect moment to shine, isn't it? Get sprayed, shiny and chrome. <laughs> Sacrifice yourself and I will personally take you to the, d- the gates of Valhalla. Yeah. And as he's running along, dumb shit gets his chain caught and he's done. And of course, there's that line. Gut-wrenching. Poor Gut Nux. Wrenching. Poor Nux. Poor Nux. Oh, I like, again, you sort of set up like, here we go. Nope. Not nah. happening. It's good. Subverts expectations often this film. But you see the girls protect Furiosa here as well. Like, Immortan Joe goes to shoot her. He's got the sight on her. Goes to shoot, but no. They open the back door. They stand there blocking. Like, no, you're not going to do it. Yeah, the um, the really pregnant one. Splendid. 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 That's my child. My property. She stands there and, like, she's coming up to this thing like this I don't know, wall in this canyon they're going through yeah. and you think oh she's going to get hit nah she gets out of the way then moves back and immediately the door falls off and he fucking runs over her yeah so I love Max's reaction that was a that was a good scene actually yeah he looks at her, like yep all good gives her a thumbs up but nope straight away she, she slipped she's got she's got blood dripping down her no, foot no, no. it's more it's more the reaction of the um when Max is saying nah she's she's gone she went under she the went car. under the wheel and the the other girls like the other um, wives want to go back and get her yeah. and Furiosa Furiosa is smart enough to like you saw it yeah we keep going yeah you got to keep going but this is where they're, they're just cruising along before we get back to the the awesome action and we get a little bit of a little bit of character development here we get this weird scene with the redhead I believe that's Riley Keough who's that Oh, she's in a couple of films, more recent. I don't think, I, I, I mean, you wouldn't know her from any of the films I would mention. Okay, fair enough. What would you make of this Red and Nux relationship? It's okay. Kind like, of it's, from it, nowhere? I mean, it's there. They're, they're both talking about the horrors of the world and Nux and his Larry and Barry, his cancerous bumps. He knows he's he's not long for this world and he, you know, he just I don't wants, know, he's just so dedicated to so quickly flipping on him. Well, he knows he can't go back anymore. He's failed in the eyes of Immortan Joe. That's what's what good is it going to go back now? He's failed. 
I don't know. I just thought his his turnaround was far too quick. From how one-eyed he was before to this just immediate, all right, yeah, you're pretty. I'm with you now. I mean, I'll just go back to what else has he got now? He can't go back. He's got to move on. Yeah. But it's night time, and everyone just starts getting bogged in the swamp. Yeah, the movie definitely slows down here. What do you think of this uh, birthing of the baby? Oh, pretty rough. Pretty yep. rough. I'm glad, obviously, we didn't see anything. Mm. Um, he plays with the umbilical cord a bit, but really, yeah, it could have been very graphic, and I'm glad they actually went away from that. Do you know who that actor was who was doing that? Uh, no. Angus Sampson. Do you know who that is? From Sampson and Son. No, 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 no. An Australian comedian. I thought, I don't know if you'd, you would have known him or not. No. No, fair enough, okay. What do you make of this whole scene where they're, they're getting the car, the, the, the war rig out of the, the swamp? Attaching the winch to the, the tree. I like that Furiosa tries to physically push the truck herself. <laughs> like, what you were doing is literally... Nothing. Honest. Yep. Stop it. <laughs> but one of the uh, one of the henchmen guys, I guess... I guess I'm pretty sure it's the guy from Bullet Town because he pulls his tooth out and it's a bullet. Starts driving after him. Kind of convenient that one tree was there. Perfect name on Furiosa on the last bullet. Smashes out the light. Blinds the guy. Uh, actually, is this where Max was shooting? Yeah. And then he gives a gun to Furiosa? That yeah. was good. I yeah. like that. I like how he's the he's the stabilizer. He stands there while she rests on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, that was good. But even here, like Max, <laughs> Max turns around and says, "I'll I'll deal with this." And she's like, "Well, what if we need to go?" And he's like, "If I'm not back, you know, go. You can't wait for me." Super heroic from him. Well, I guess this is what I said before. He he's he, all these people that he hasn't been able to save in his past. He's doing this. He wants them to survive. He wants them to live. So you know, he walks into the distance. You get an explosion, and he comes back. He's got blood all over him. He's got the guns. I'm not sure about this whole sort of reveal like we don't know if Max is going to come back or not. And the girls are like pointing the gun and it's like, come on. There is no way anyone watching that would believe that Max is not the one walking back. They didn't know that. I didn't buy that. You don't need to defend everything, Hendo. Yes, I do. Shut up. God. <gasps> but it's good. Yeah, he comes back covered in blood. It's like, oh, you're bleeding. That's not his blood. That's right. That's... Nice. But they're driving through the swamp. There's these weird people on stilts. Yeah, I like the scarecrows. They're good. That's good. And you get the ominous death tones of the crows. Little do they know that this is actually the green place that they're going to. Yeah, that reveal was... It was good. Yeah. But it's the next day and Max wakes up from another nightmare. Of course. And they have a, a chat, him and Furiosa, talking about the green place. And Furiosa opens up a bit here, saying that, you know, this is where she was born, you know, with her mum. get a little bit more... Character development here from Furiosa and what she's striving to do. She just wants to get back home. She was taken from that place when she was young. Hmm. Yeah, but now we come to Naked Megan Gale. Uh-uh. That's bait. Yeah, it's good that they knew. And then Furiosa gets out and I was like, what is she doing? And then she's like, obviously not talking to the naked chick. Yeah. She's talking to everyone that would be around. Yeah, this, this whole interaction here is really good. Yeah, all the women, uh, the many mothers, they come out. Yeah, it was a good reveal when, you know, Furious is just like, oh, where's the rest of them? Yeah. This is it. Where's the green place? You passed it. Yeah, and just her like, oh, fuck. breaking down. You, you, I love the sound mixing, I guess, here where the voices just start to fade out from her. It's like it just it's nothing to her anymore. She's found out this that her whole her whole life has just been eradicated. And you know, she strolls off and that shot that her. shot. Incredible. Screaming on the, the sand yeah. blowing across oh, the surface. So good. It really is amazing. But Furiosa goes to Max with a plan and says, listen, we're good for 160 days. There's a bike for you if you want it. We can ride across the salt 
They call it the salt sea? Something like that means no- nothing will grow there. Nothing can live there. Yeah, and Max has a really good line here. You know, hope is a mistake. If you can't fix what's broken, you'll, uh, you'll go insane. But we also learn here about the, the seeds that one of the old ladies is uh, keeping. She's trying to find the different soil to grow certain things, which obviously will play towards the end of the film where they get back to the, the Citadel and they have these crops that they can use the soil there for the right things. Hmm. See, it's all there's, there is hope at the end. But we see them riding off on the bikes and Max, he catches up to them. Not before he gets another vision of the kid. Yeah, I tried to skip the vision. No, but this one is important because this is the one where he puts his hand up to his head, which saves his life later. Yep. It's like the reflex action. So it comes back. I get it. Yeah. You sure? Yeah, I do. Okay, cool. Just checking. That was a pretty silly moment, actually. Yeah. Like I I said, if there's a negative to this film, it is the flashbacks are too much. Yep. Anyway. You don't need to keep going on and on about it, all right? You're the one going on about it. He flies past them and he's just like, let's go back. Let's turn around. Yeah, I mean, it's the bright thing to do. The, everything they need is at the Citadel. They just need to get through it all. Yeah, and it's great where they're just like, it's not protected. Everyone's mm-hmm. on this side. If we can get through that canyon, we're good. We're yeah, golden. Pretty much. But, you know, they do see them, Immortan Joe. They're going back. They're going back. Chase after him, And then we get like half an hour of a big, big chase scene. And, man, it's all fantastic in all honesty. No joke. Um, My notes are, they go back, action ensues. Yep. <laughs> Mine went a little bit more detailed. Like, it's, it's full on. It is. Like, yes. you're seeing all the, the old women dying as they go along. Megan Gale, I don't know why she didn't turn around when the car was coming at her. She yeah. she managed to dodge several cars, yep. but, you know, didn't didn't turn around to see the other car coming. You know what my favourite bit of this was? When uh, Furiosa kills a Morton Joe. Oh, she wraps the the, cha- her, the, the link around his uh, mask. Yeah, and just rips his yeah, face off. Yeah, puts on the tyre and just rips his entire like, face oh. off. Yeah, brutal. Remember me. Fantastic. Like, honestly, great death. I mean, this entire chase is so unique as well. Like, the people on the, the big sticks swinging back and forth as they're lunging oh, into the car yeah. to pull out, like, to pull out Zoe great. Kravitz as it's well. Great. It's great. Everything is fantastic. Just the whole journey of Max going from car to car, trying to save everyone here, especially when you get into the canyon and you've got the, the big boy, I guess, just, just going to town on people. This whole action scene, like, it's like, it's. This scene isn't obviously a big thing we can break down, and that's okay. Like, not every film can get a in-depth breakdown. This is a 25 half an hour long action scene that is mm. amazing. Yeah. And that's all that is to it. It yep. is visually stunning. Looks good. That that shot in particular when Max is swinging from one side to the other on the screen with all the explosions of the cars happening yeah, in the background. Yeah, that was a great Fantastic. shot. Fantastic. Yeah. Is it in slow motion as well? Uh, I, I don't think it is. Because he swings across pretty quickly. Feels like slow motion. That's how good it is. <laughs> but Nux sacrifices Nux. himself, of course. Very heroic. Yep. Witness me. Yeah. And that's uh, that's in a Nux. He did the right thing. He saved them all. Got them to got them to the Citadel. But, of course, Furious has been stabbed, so she's on her deathbed. Max does the right thing. Gets the blood. Gives her blood. Always going to happen. That's and, fine. And, of course, reveals his name. Max. My name is Max. But, of course, they get back to the Citadel, and what do they do? They dump... Immortan Joe's body for everyone to see. I think that's really important. It's yeah, important they to have the body to say, you don't need to fear him anymore. Mm. Don't need to revere him. He's dead. We need to move on. And everyone gets on board super quickly. And they tear that body apart. <laughs> They're hungry. Yep. Praise all around. They release the water. Again, probably could have been a better way to do that. <laughs> they did the same wrong thing there. Yep. And, of course, Max heads off to his next adventure. 
I do like how there's there's not a romantic thing between these two. It didn't evolve into that. It's just mutual respect. There's no time. This whole thing takes place in... Doesn't need to be there. Less than 24 hours. Doesn't need to be there at all. Yeah. And that's it for Mad Max Fury Road. Any last words? All right, Dane, what's your final thoughts on Mad Max Fury Road? Yeah, not a lot, to be honest. It's a good movie. I get that film Twitter and film podcasts, they froth over this film like no tomorrow. Like, people love this film. I really like it. I really do. It's a fun movie. I mean, it's just, it's all about the visuals in this film. It is visually stunning. There are so many shots where I was like, it's like holy shit, that looks amazing. And that's, that's, that's about it. The practical effects are good. There's obviously next to no plot in it. The world is... Yeah, it's a good world that they build here. They don't really need the first three because I haven't seen them. So what they do in this movie is enough to get by. I, yeah, people... I don't I don't have the love for it that everyone... A lot of other people do. Mm-hmm. All right? I really like it. I give it four stars. Cool. I wonder if you're... Um your experience would have been a lot different if you'd gone and seen that at the cinema. I wonder if it would have changed your first initial impression of it. Who knows? Yeah, we'll never know, will we? Uh, But to me, I remember seeing this trailer way back in December 2014 and, like I said, put it way way high up on my anticipated movies. Fast forward to when I saw it at the cinema and after I saw it, man, I was numb from adrenaline, excitement and sheer astonishment of what I just watched. I watched it again when it came back out on Blu-ray and felt exactly the same. It happened again this time when I watched it. This wasn't just a fantastic movie. This was an experience. An absolute ball-busting nut peddler from start to finish where you don't have a chance to even catch your breath between the insane chases and ridiculous stunts where the vision of this post-apocalyptic battle is just common things like water and oil. It's shown in all its glory. We have some amazing characters with perfect arcs and amazing performances. We have eye-popping locales and perfect practical effects. This movie is just epic from beginning to end. To pull such a spectacle in this day and age, which is littered with terrible CGI and lazy action, it was a breath of fresh air to see once again. And from a director who's in his 70s, who has films like Babe and Happy Feet. And that's about it. George Miller, what he pulled off here is beyond me. Charlie Saron was great as Furiosa. She stole the show away from Tom Hardy, who even though was playing the total character, he was really just the guy in the background caught up in everything around him. This will be one of the latest films to join one of the best action films of all time for me. It was a feast for the eyes and the ears. It left me completely satisfied. This movie is something that needs to be experienced because, of course, this gets an... Amazing. Amazing. Incredible. Outstanding. From me. Very good. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, Dean, where's this going to go on your rankings? 44 films now. All right, for me, we'll start at the lowest four-star film for me, which is A Beautiful Mind at number 26. And it is better than A Beautiful Mind. It's also better than The Grand Budapest Hotel. Next up against The Thing. Yeah, I do think that Fury Road is better than The Thing. Up against Toy Story 3. Again, it's better than Toy Story 3. Then it goes up against Django Unchained. That's where it's going to stop. Okay. I think Django is better than Fury Road, which means Fury Road will be my new number 23. Okie doke. All right, for me, let's start off at the number 16 spot against Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And I think it's better than that. I also think it's better than The Terminator, as well as The Prestige. I also think it's better than Your Name. And I also think it's better than The Wizard of Oz. And now we get to Batman Begins. And I think that's where it stops. Nice. I thought you would do it just to spite me. No, 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 no. I'm not that spiteful of my making my own list of, of, of permanent films staying here. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. So, Mad Max Fury Road is going to be my new number 12 out of 44. Fair enough. 
thought you might be a bit uh, bit biased towards the old Mad Max and put it way higher. So I'm glad that you have been sensible. Hey, they're all five stars up in this area. It's all measured by inches and whatever the hell they, whatever that expression is. They're all very close. They're all quite close together. All right, it's time for this week's podcast shout out. And it is from the Online Warriors podcast. Now, we like to promote other podcasts that love to talk about movies. And of course we do. Absolutely. And Online Warriors podcast is no exception. These guys... They know what they're talking about. They cover a variety of topics from the gaming, movies, entertainment, and sports. So it's a nice variety of things that most people kind of like together. Isn't that right, Dean? Absolutely. All right, so we'll play their promo now, and we'll be back on the other side. Hey, everybody. This is Nerd Bomber here, one of the co-hosts of the Online Warriors podcast. Our weekly podcast started as a way for three friends to keep in touch and discuss their passion for movies, gaming, technology, and entertainment. And since then, we've grown into a fantastic online community. Every Wednesday, we release a new episode discussing the latest nerdy news. And then we go hands-on with our weekly adventures and a fun trivia show. Sound interesting? Check us out on every podcast platform, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or hit us up at onlinewarriorspodcast.com. Hey, listeners, we just want to take a quick second here to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to us banter on about movies and all things movie-related. Yeah, it really does mean a lot to the both of us. We're always looking to improve our show and get our name out there, and there's a couple of ways you can help us. Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to just get the word of mouth out there. Let your family and friends know about the show and where they can find us, which is pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and my new favourite way of listening to the show, which is Podcoin. Now, Dean, we both listen to a lot of podcasts ourselves. So how can we not love this new podcast app that literally pays you as you listen? Yeah, Podcoin have taken the next step in your listening experience by letting you earn Podcoins gradually as you listen, which you can then exchange for rewards like Amazon gift cards or even let you donate to various charities. Sounds great to me, mate. You can download the podcast app right now on your iPhone or Android device. And if you sign up using the code IMDBJourney, you'll get 300 Podcoin to get you started. It's a great way to listen to our show and all the other amazing podcasts out there too. Amazing. And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash imdbjourney, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash imdbjourney, our letterbox pages where we keep our film diaries up to date. I am at letterbox.com slash dino underscore j88. Really rolls off the tongue. And you can find Hendo at letterbox.com slash Hendo. Exactly. Another way to help us out is to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for us. And like we've said, if you screenshot your review and DM us on Twitter or Facebook, we'll send you out some sweet merch. We've actually got a new review this week. And it's from recent patron Cecil Hops. Have you ever wanted to listen to people be unquestionably confident in their opinion? Have you ever wanted to hear people that know what they're talking about? Have you wanted to listen to someone that loves movies as much as you? Dean and Dan are your men. I realize how he said your name first there. Realize how he called us men. <laughs> For a change. <laughs> Searching through the top 250 and either loving the movie or questioning the weirdness of everyone who put it on the list. Either way, it's a good time. The only thing I would change is that the patron previews were patron episodes. So I became a patron, and those are also very good and heaps of fun. Plus, since it's all on the top 250 list, there's a mix of genres and decades. Well worth a listen, if only to decide what to watch next. Great review. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks so much, mate. Or if you're really loving the content and are looking for more, why not check out our Patreon, where we post another weekly show, breaking down films not on our top 250 list. Yeah, we've actually got over 50 episodes on there now. We've gone through some notable directors' filmographies, such as Wes Anderson, 
Edgar Wright, and even Quentin Tarantino. That's right, there's also tons of other benefits over there. Early access to our main show, patron-only polls that we put up on the regular. Yeah, exactly. You can also shape the show the way you want it to be by telling us what films you would like us to break down. So what's coming up this week, mate? Well, Dean, after a brief hiatus from the Mission Impossible film series, we're back once again, and we're tackling Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Ah, yes. Can't wait to get into the little one-two punch that is Rogue Nation and Fallout. I haven't seen a lot of Rogue Nation. Well, I've seen it all. I haven't seen it often. (laughs) I haven't seen it multiple times. There, that's better. So I'm looking forward to rewatching it and seeing how it holds up and seeing if maybe it's better than I thought it was. Yeah, it's going to be a good little back-to-back Christopher McQuarrie combo of Mission Impossible films that we're going to be doing here. Absolutely. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash imdbjourney and check out the myriad of rewards and benefits we have to offer. All right, mate, it's time for... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this could be it. And we got a fair few reviews from Mad Max Fury Road. A lot more than The Pianist. Why is that? No, it just shocked me that we put out the... uh, the request if anyone wants to put in a review for the pianist and we got one and we put out the review for mad max fury road and got a slew of them how does that shock you fury road is extraordinarily popular people need to see the pianist they do need to see the pianist yeah i'm with you but let's talk about mad max fury road shall we first one here from the aussie nerds podcast mad max has the best action in any movie the action is so well done and beautifully shot furiosa is a great character the best movie he's made since babe pig in the city Next up, from Louis Ream, as far as the franchise, I'm not mad for Max, but I do have a hearty appetite for Tom. As part of a group of four, I anticipated my dinner at the restaurant after the movie and contemplated on what the heck took $150 million to produce a sandstorm of dust and dirt, though Theron was thorough. Okay. Nice. As usual, Louis Ream. Well said, Louis. Here's one from Chips are for Champions. I really liked it. Beautiful technically and easy to get into. The main reason it loses a letter grade for me is the original script with Mel Gibson. Does it, it loses a point for the like the first draft? Harsh. Very harsh. Next up from DIY Therapy, the second greatest chase movie of all time, only to Star Wars The Last Jedi. Got some hot takes on Twitter here. Well, everyone has their opinion. Here's one from Marketing Angel. Brilliantly constructed movie. I love that the dynamic between Max and Furiosa does not devolve into a trope. Completely agree. Next up from Stork. In a time of shortcuts with CGI, a testament to live action effects and stunt work. Beautifully shot, great characters, one of the best action movies of the last two decades. Great review. Solid. Here's one from the cinema guys. George Miller took us back to his world after many years and it didn't disappoint. The best movie of 2015. Next up from Crash Dude, it grew on me. First showing, I thought great special effects. The story grew on me on following views of the movie. Sometimes that happens on sequels. Here's our next one from Kevin Brackett. An incredible theatrical experience. I went into the screening knowing virtually nothing about what to expect and was blown away. Ryan Alteri says, I was surprised by how much I liked it. Wasn't until after its Oscars that I gave it a try. And our last one over here on Twitter from Julio from The Contrarians, and it's just a gif of Adam Scott saying, I don't get it at all. Hey. Come on. Come on. Come on, Julio. Looking over at our Facebook page now from Josephine on it. Never saw it. Well, I'm glad that uh, she's taking the time to write a review then. It looks so boring and stupid. <laughs> Sorry. Seeing the trailer just turned me off. I don't believe the hype. It's probably nice cinematography and such, but I seriously couldn't care less. And I hate Tom Hardy. All he does is stupid macho bullshit movies. Love your work, Josephine. Damn, Josephine. 
And our last one on Facebook from Sam from the Movie Reviews and 20Qs podcast. It is a ridiculously simple story wrapped up in a thousand layers of ridiculously outstanding filmmaking. 9,546 out of 10,000. Very high rating there, Sam. Now let's head over to our Patreon for our lovely, lovely patrons and see what they have to say about the movie. First one from Ben Mulverhill. Best action film of the decade? I think so. Next up from Brian Grabianowski. I remember being in the theatre and realising that the first chase never let me catch my breath and I absolutely loved it. This is probably why the film dips a bit for me whenever it slows down. So if I had to complain about something, it would be the pacing. Still a solid action film and it always takes my breath away when they drive into the sandstorm. Hell yeah, Brian. And our last one on Patreon from Chris Beardsall. Quentin Tarantino once said that directing is a young man's game. Try telling that to George Miller. Fury Road is a simple story at its core, but what it does provide, in my opinion, is the greatest chase film of all time. Tom Hardy is great as Max, but the standout is Charlize Theron as Furiosa, and this is her film. The only complaint I have is that some of the visual effects are already starting to look a little dated, but fortunately, most of the effects in this film are practical, and it's all the better for it. The Wastelands prequel film appears to have been stuck in development hell, but I hope it gets made eventually. Even if Miller has to be in his 70s by the time he makes it, I know he'll be ready to punch us in the face and show us how real action films should be made. Thank you very much, everyone, for your responses, but of course, we've got... Starts off strong here. Undoubtedly, one of the most overrated films of all time, even by me. You son of a bitch, Shane. I gave it three stars when I first saw it, and that's a half star too many. What works in the film is obvious. The budget is big, the production is loud, and it hits you over the head with banging outrageous action concerning monster vehicles in the desert. It's too much. It rarely ever stops. When it does stop, it's boring. When it keeps going on for too long, it's boring. The only film in the Mad Max quadrilogy that doesn't get worse in the second half of the film is the original. Beyond the Thunderdome is a shit show, and thankfully Fury Road doesn't stoop to those levels. But compared with Road Warrior, Fury Road is also beat. I actually cared about the characters in Road Warrior, and of course the original, which is the best. But I didn't like the characters in this movie. Charlize Theron is boring and she sucks. <laughs> Tom Hardy, I felt sympathy for him in the beginning when he's in the when he's captive and being used for his blood. But after that, he's just some guy who doesn't say much. They try to shoehorn his traumatic past in to make you feel sympathy for him, but that only worked in Road Warrior because it had the first film to draw from. Here, it's a new Max, and we don't really know about his history. Overall, this film lacks a variety. Variety in locations, in plot, in motivations, in tone. Too much of the same thing for too long. It's not a turkey like Thunderdome, but still far from a masterpiece. Yuck. What a review, Shane. <laughs> ah, thank you, Shane, as usual. All right, Dean, let's get it to... That's my question! The question, jerk! Where we asked you is, what is your favourite post-apocalyptic film? And we got a fair few responses for this question. Yeah, we got heaps. So let's go through some responses that aren't either of our number one films. First one from Hunter Heitzman, The Road Warrior. From Kayan Van Nelson, Children of Men, Easy. Fossil Box says, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Fossil box. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, Time Sensitive Podcast says Snowpiercer. Victoria Stacy says The Road. The Cinema Guys say Children of Men is such a fantastic movie. Guy Who Writes OK Films says Book of Eli. I've not seen that one. Me neither. Hmm. Jackie says I'm going for Battle Royale. Watching Comics Podcast says Nine is a masterpiece. Full stop. Matt Neglier at the Next Best Picture Podcast says Children of Men. No contest. Here's one from Tony Stank. 
Demolition Man. Is that post-apocalyptic? I'd have to watch it again. I think it's just future, isn't it? Yeah. Kevin J. Ryan says, I'll go with The Road Warrior, because while it never feels like it was trying to be anything more than lots of fun, it's incredibly well done and ended up being enormously influential. Here's one from Philip Hurd, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Ben Mulverhill says Fury Road. Here's one from Yeah Shaw. This made me realise I don't like post-apocalyptic films, but if I had to pick one, Wally. Wow. Mm. Uh, Rob Manafield says A Quiet Place. Here's one from Katerin and Ningret. Waterworld. There was actually a few Waterworlds. I'm not sure if they're taking the piss or not. <laughs> Seriously, there's like multiple Waterworlds. I'm not going to judge. I haven't seen the film. Peter DeVilibus says The Terminator. Ian Willis says Soylent Green. And lastly on Twitter here, Gianna Isabella says The Bad Batch. All right, let's head over to our Facebook page. From our good mate, Ryan Utting, he's, uh, he's gone and broken the rules, mate. He's picked five films, even though we did say one. But he went with Terminator 2, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Snowpiercer. R- hold on. Rise of the Planet of the Apes is not post-apocalyptic. I would argue that Terminator 2 isn't post-apocalyptic either. Did but he's he, gone Snowpiercer. Did he even read the question? The Book of Eli and Children of Men. Pretty funny how he had five choices and still didn't get either of our number ones. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, my lovely wife, Britt, says The Hunger Games. And finally on Facebook from Dipak Patel, not even a question, Mad Max Fury Road. And let's head back over to our Patreon for our awesome patrons. Dan Brennick says Fury Road. Josephine Onitz says I'll have to say Children of Men. Amazing. Brother Shane says Day of the Dead. And our last one over on Patreon from Brian Grabianowski, Dread, the 2012 one, obviously. Is it an exemplary movie? Not especially, but it's so damn entertaining it's got replay value in spades. Now, thank you very much, everyone, for your responses. But, Dean, let's get to our top five post-apocalyptic movies. All right, mate, let's kick it off with you. Number five. Planet of the Apes. Better not be the Tim Burton one. No, 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 <laughs> the original one. Charlton Heston. Cool. Are you a fan of that? Yes, I am. Really liked it. Yeah, I really like yeah. that movie. I've seen it heaps as well. Endo, what's your number five? My number five is Children of Men. Nice. My number four is 28 Days Later. Okay, it's a good choice. My number four is The Terminator. Yeah, see, I don't really consider that post-apocalyptic. See, it's weird because I don't think Terminator 2 is, but I do consider that. I feel like this has got enough footage and... A couple and, scenes. Yeah, I think there's enough there to say that it, uh, it is a post-apocalyptic film. Mm. Uh, number three for me, as we've discussed, Mad Max Fury Road. Chalk it up to number three for me, Mad Max Fury Road. Nice. Uh, my number two, War for the Planet of the Apes. Ah, yes, I love that I film love so much, don't you? War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, my number two is Wally. Jesus. My number one is The Matrix. Oh, what a surprise. They have the same number one. We've got to stop meeting like this. <laughs> it is, of course, The Matrix. All right, let's get to our competition, mate. And there were there was too many. There's too many responses for The Matrix here. I couldn't even keep count. But I did manage to squeeze them all together for a random number generator. And let's see who we've got. Oh, damn. Sam, move reviews and 20 Qs. Ah, Sammy. <laughs> You've got it. You get some IMDb merch. Well done, buddy. We'll Fantastic. get a hold of you. All right, as we're heading into a random question of the week coming up, Dean, why don't you just give me a number between 1 and 50 and we'll find out what the random topic will be. 47. 47. Wow, this is a good one. We're going to ask you, what is your favorite film made for under a million dollars? Wow, that is a good one. Hmm. Under a million. And obviously we're not including inflation. No, a million at that time. I wonder how much Gone with the Wind cost. I think it was more than a million. Probably would help if I'd seen it as well. (laughs) (laughs) We're both masters. Who won? How did it end? All right, mate, I know you're dying to find out the results of this latest Bro v. Bro movie draft. (laughs) 
Between uh, you and your brother, Shane. Good old Shane. Yeah, of course, the draft was brothers in movies. And Shane was, of course, team one. And he had Mufasa and Scar from The Lion King, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Nick and Connie Van Orton from The Game, Charlie and Donald Kaufman from Adaptation, and Raymond and Charlie Babbitt from Rain Man. And I had Michael and Fredo Colleoni. I had Daniel and Derek Vineyard from American History X. Of course. I had Thor and Loki. I had Alfred and Fallon from The Prestige. And I had the Blues Brothers from the Blues Brothers. <laughs> In case no one knew that. All right, let's take a look at some responses. The What We Should Watch podcast said, Shane, all of them are great brother relationships, but the one that tips the scale for me is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The Movie Drone podcast says, I reckon that was a tough one to assemble, but I'm out on the Lion King immediately, so it's <laughs> Dean for me. Thanks, Steve. Mayor of Nilbog says, Shane. Gidget Von LaRue says the Godfather and the Blues Brothers sealed the deal. Team Dean. The STST car says Shane equals Washington Generals. Dean equals Harlem Globetrotters. Whoever drafted Shane's team should be fired. <laughs> Could be Shane. <laughs> David Powell says Dean by a country mile. The game is the only film that Shane's team has going for it. We Watch the Thing says Shane nearly had me with adaptation, but Dean is just too strong. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> Makes a lot a lot more difference when I don't say Deem's team. Deem's, Dean's team. Deem's team. Uh, Paul at the Countdown Podcast says, Dean, by like lots. <laughs> Julio at the Contrarian says, MCU plus the best Nolan plus the best Furlong? Dean's team for sure. Jackie says, gotta be Team Dean. Any team with Loki and Thor is the one for me. Carolina says, Team Dean. Lastly here, Peter DeVilvis says, Dean. All right, seems like a lot of Dean responses there. Why don't we take a look at the results? Because it's not always that way. Like, sometimes there's lots of comments for someone, but in fact they lose. But that is not the case this Definitely time. Definitely not. <laughs> 75% victory. 75%! <laughs> Holy shit. Well done, mate. That is Crush that one. Terrible showing from Brother Shane. There's this tournament. Let the tournament begin! All right, Dean, it's time to find out the results of the qualifying round of the 1990s film tournament. All right, the first match here, no surprises. Jurassic Park takes out a skier with a 95% victory. A skier later. Which is weird because it's 95%, but it's not like, you know, 10 votes or something. It's 107 votes, so 5%. So there was, it was more than one vote that a skier got. Quite random. Yeah, probably votes against Jurassic Park. Probably. Next up, Heat destroyed Neon Genesis Evangelion, 85 to 15%. Another blowout here, LA Confidential takes out The Legend of 1900 with a 92% victory. Yeah, this one was a bit of a surprise to me, actually. The Truman Show beat Lockstock, two smoking barrels, 68%. Which was our only discrepancy in yeah, this bracket. it was. So I take a one-point lead heading into the final 32. But the next one, Casino takes out In the Name of the Father. Shocking. With an 80% victory. Next up, The Sixth Sense. Beats Fargo, 57%. Wow. So pretty close there. Not close. Was Unforgiven that took out Lahane with an 87% win. Also not close. The Big Lebowski beat out Train Spotting. I didn't think it was going to be that big of a blowout. Yeah, me neither. 74% win there. And here's a big win from Before Sunrise, 66% against Children of Heaven. And that brings us to the first half of the final 32 matches that we'll be doing. So let's take a look at them. First match is the Shawshank Redemption against Jurassic Park. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Next up, The Lion King against Terminator 2 oh, Judgment Day. Oh, shit. <laughs> How do you pick these? What about this one? Seven against Heat. Oh, no. 
feel like Heat's going to get knocked out. Love Heat. Uh, next up, Life is Beautiful against LA Confidential. All right, we'll move on from that one. No comments there. Fight Club takes on The Truman Show. Leon takes on Braveheart. What about this one, Dean? You're a little nervous. Forrest Gump against Casino. Oh, God. Could beat Casino as well. And lastly, here in the first half, we've got The Green Mile up against The Reservoir Dogs. Jeez, all of these films. Oh, There's going to be... It's going to be a bloodbath. They're all very good. Life is Beautiful is there too. And Forrest Gump. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> so, what's next? All right, Dean. I've been holding my breath this entire time. That's a lie. What film are you choosing for us to break down next fortnight? Are you going to be true to your word and pick something that's really low before it bows out of the list, like you said last time? I mean, pretty low. It's not going anywhere. It's at 191. Can I have a stab, Hendo? I love this game. Heat. No, didn't I already say it was a light-hearted movie? No, you did too. I completely- heat's, heat's really high as well. I isn't completely it? forgot about that. Um, no, 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 no. It's actually catch me if you can. Ooh, Ooh. interesting. <laughs> Which is also a surprisingly long movie at two hours and twenty-one minutes. <laughs> Have we done a Spielberg film? Oh yeah, of course. We did Saving Private Ryan. Oh, of course. Jeez, how can Saving we forget Proper that? Ryan. All right, catch me if you can. Yes, I've seen it once. Fair enough. Yeah, very lighthearted, and this is going to be fun. Another fun one. Yes, awesome. a fun one. All right, so next week we're back for Pod V Pod 26. We'll have another amazing guest lined up, ready to take us on in our new game we have now. No more Don't I Know You From Somewhere. We're down to movie quotes. So we'll see how we go with that one, won't we, Dean? Yes, we will. All right, so until then, thank you very much, everyone, for checking out the episode, and we will see you next week for Pod V Pod 26. Bye. Bye.